from Writer's Rough Drafts, and I'm coming at you with a special bonus episode guaranteed to boost your inspiration and motivate you to get pitching by sharing the story of a writer just like you who managed to land their own dream byline. Some people find pride in the traits that make them who they are. Others are criticized for it. In most cases, these traits are seen as hindrances, where every accomplishment is seemingly made in spite of that hindrance. For Megan Wildhood, a neurodiverse writer and unique earring collector based in Seattle, this so-called hindrance is her autism. Ableism quietly permeates our culture, so much so that everyday people can find themselves being ableistic without even realizing it. It's not an ism that is discussed all the time outside of a grade school setting, but it still holds the same weight for those who are affected by it. Now, there are those who accept the ableist remarks of others, passing them off as simply a lack of understanding or an unintended slight. And for the longest time, that's exactly what Megan did. She'd simply let seemingly benign and unintentional comments about her autism go, and she'd work to move on. But after one too many slights, Megan found herself ready to explode. Instead of exploding, though, Megan used all of this pent-up aggression to speak from the heart, address ableism as a whole, and try to make at least one tiny change in the world. This passion is what eventually led to Megan landing her dream byline. It all started when Megan came out as autistic to a friend of hers. His reply was, oh, but you don't look autistic. While this statement has all the best intentions, it is a clear example of how ableism works in our modern society. The phrase, but you don't look autistic, suggests that to be autistic is to be something that should be despised. That even though you're autistic, hey, at least you can look the part of someone who's quote-unquote normal. In reality, autism isn't always a hindrance that keeps you from being normal. It's the same as having brown hair, being tall. It's a trait that you are born with, and it's part of what makes you who you are. It's something that should be celebrated, not something to be ashamed of. Megan had been getting this her whole life. Yes, it hurt but she was always afraid of standing up for herself or upsetting others, whether they were in the wrong or not. This time, however, was different. You see, as a writer, Megan was always looking for ways to improve her craft. She was frequently taking classes and workshops provided by her local arts organization, the Hugo House in Seattle. The most recent class she attended was a class on voice that was meant to bring out the authenticity of your characters and of yourself as a writer. Throughout these lessons, Megan not only picked up a few new writing techniques, but learned how to be more strong and confident with what she had to say, both authentically and unapologetically. So when her new friend responded to her sharing her autism with, but you don't look autistic, Megan was ready to let her newfound voice be heard. 
She wanted to yell at him and make him feel as bad as his words had made her feel. Like it wasn't okay for her to be autistic. She wanted him to know it wasn't okay to be ignorantly ableist, especially to someone that you consider a friend. Before she unleashed the rage that is Volcano Megan upon her quote-unquote friend, she caught herself. It wouldn't be enough, she thought, just to scream in his face and command him to change. This would continue to happen again and again like it had so many times before. She needed to attack the root of the problem, reach ableism at its source, if she wanted to prevent this kind of situation from happening again. So she did what she does best. She wrote, Changing the world is hard. But when all else fails, some of the most powerful weapons we have are our words. One voice can be the rallying cry that gathers the support of millions. That one voice just needs to be brave enough to speak up first. Megan wanted to use a new technique she'd picked up from her class on voice called free writing, where a writer's thoughts can flow freely without limitation or sense of structure. She wanted to format the entire piece as a letter, directly calling out her friend for his remark, publicly shaming him, and exposing his ableism to the world. Her hope was that others would see how badly comments like this hurt, and they would change their ways. She just needed to find the right audience for it. Luckily for Megan, she already had the perfect publication in mind, The Atlantic. Starting as a way to cover and support the abolition of slavery in 1859, The Atlantic magazine roots its values in that of equality and justice. Megan saw them as a dream publication, falling in love with their intentional focus on elevating marginalized voices. She felt safe reading their articles and their works, like she truly belonged. She knew her story would be done justice, and she knew she wouldn't have to apologize for being authentic in her own voice. After finding the right place to pitch, which, as you know if you listen to this podcast, can vary from publication to publication, Megan laid out exactly what her letter was, why it needed to be said, and why The Atlantic was the perfect place to project her voice. She wasn't just pitching an idea. She was pitching a revolution. Having subscribed to the publication for years, Megan was certain this piece was exactly the type of content that they'd be interested in. And she was right. Not long after submitting her pitch, Megan received an email back from one of their editors stating that they absolutely loved her story and her desire to confront ableism to change the hearts and minds of the world. They definitely wanted to be the ones to help her achieve this goal but were afraid her original concept for a letter idea might be too aggressive for their readers. The editor suggested a slightly different approach. Instead of a letter to her oppressor, the editor suggested reframing the piece as a personal essay where Megan could explain her experience and address the ableistic atmosphere of our culture as a whole rather than just vent for an entire article's length. Their hope was that this change would evoke compassion in the reader, causing them to sympathize with Megan's experience rather than turning them away. Normally, it can be hard for a writer to detach from the initial intent of their writing. 
That's why there always seems to be an opposition between editors and writers, where the perception is the editors are all bad guys wanting to rework your masterpiece with their vision. While this may be true of some, most editors, like us here at Craftier Content, subtle plug, generally care about making your writing the best it can be and making sure you understand why they suggest every edit along the way. It's your voice and vision that an editor wants to showcase, not their own. Megan was able to see the same intent in the editor's reply and thought it was a perfect idea for a reframe. This way, and perhaps for the first time, she would actually be heard. With her new format in place, she began to free write the draft again. After a few personal editing rounds, cleanups, and revisions, Megan sent her article in for review. Normally, you'd expect to receive a response within two to four weeks after sending you off your work, especially if you've been accepted for the piece. But that wasn't the case with The Atlantic. Due to the high volume of pitches and emails their editors receive on a daily basis, it takes a long time for them to get back to their writers sometimes. So long, in fact, that you might forget you were even accepted in the first place. Talk about anxiety. Just three rounds of editing took Megan and the entire editorial team an entire year to complete. Over the course of that year, Megan did her best to stay busy pitching other articles, writing on different topics. She had to keep moving, but always kept this piece and her intent behind it in the back of her mind. Finally, after what felt like a lifetime of waiting, Megan's story, titled What Does It Mean to Look Autistic, was published for all the world to see. And since it's been published, the response has been fantastic. Megan was offered a position with Yes Magazine as a regular contributor soon after the article's release. She's been invited to be on Psychology in Seattle podcast to talk about her autism. All these accomplishments were just the start of Megan's drive to end ableism. It was her passion and desire for change that led to her finding her voice, making a difference, and landing her dream byline. That's it for us here on this special quickie bonus episode of Writer's Rough Drafts. Thanks to Megan Wildhood for sharing her story and letting us know how to land a dream byline with The Atlantic. You can grab some of these details from our show notes for this episode at www.craftyourcontent.com slash episode 70. That's episode 70. This show doesn't happen without the team at Craft Your Content making it happen. Our audio and podcast engineer, James Ede from Be Heard Productions, scriptwriter DT Yates, podcast editor Julia Huss, and director of production Erica Rasso. Most importantly, thank you for making the time to listen. Now, go forth and pitch. Pitch.